Hey there, what's up? Welcome to another episode of To Dare is Human, a podcast dedicated to stories of grit, determination, persistence, and sometimes plain hard-nosed stubbornness on the human journey to success. I'm your host, Adam Connor. Today, I'm sitting down with Francis Smith, a Baltimore brewmaster in the making who, after dabbling in the craft from his college dorm, left corporate America with two of his high school buddies and made the formal jump into hops to start Diamondback Brewing based on the south side of Baltimore. I can't wait to have you hear Francis and Diamondback's story on how the team dove headfirst into their dare, or perhaps in this case, feet first into the drink. I've had the pleasure of enjoying their product at least a time or two, so I decided to make a trip up to Baltimore and to the brewery itself to see the magic happen live. If you're local, definitely check out these hometown guys spin on the craft. It's absolutely worth it. Just for one second, before jumping into the interview here, I wanted to quickly mention that along with subscribing to Tadera is Human to push content directly to your device, you can also now interact with the show on my new website, todareishuman.com. You can find complete episodes, show notes, references, social links, basically anything you need over there. So go take a visit. And now, without further ado, here's the Diamondback Brewing Company and one of their co-founders, Baltimore's own Francis Smith. Okay, so I'm here today with Francis Smith, who is a co-founder at the Diamondback Brewing Company in Baltimore, Maryland. Francis, thanks for coming on the show, man. Of course. Thanks for having us. Now, I, uh, I want to dive right into it, but first, I got to say, it's great to see uh, you guys doing something in two areas of, uh, of interest for me. One, uh, in the brewing space overall, I tried uh, you know, getting into home brewing a little bit. I realized it just wasn't for me or I backed out when I saw like how like involved it was. I wanted to do something bigger than I could just do out of my house. Now, you guys actually had that ingenuity, which I hope to talk about a little bit in the show. But more than that, uh, we were all at the same high school together. And it's just awesome to be able to see, you know, folks who were classmates of mine going out and doing big things and repping Baltimore. Thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate it. It's been a, a journey so far. Yeah, journey indeed, and uh, a journey that started as with most people who get that entrepreneurial fire uh, during school. Now, you and your co-founder, Tom Foster, were at the University of Maryland, and uh, this whole journey really started when you were there, your, your junior year in college. Uh, you, you, start, you start up with some home brewing. Now, this was just a hobby for you guys at the time, and what, what, really, what really caused you to start uh, brewing in your dorm room? So, yeah, it definitely just started as a hobby and a, a love for the industry. Right when I turned 21, I got my first kit. Me and Tom started brewing, and it became, I'd say, surpassed the hobby pretty quickly, turning into an obsession. Um, it started to be us brewing every Friday, every Saturday, really, as much as we could with a handful of different batches going at once. Um and we just saw the industry really at the same time and just, I guess, talking basically at the beginning how cool it would be to to go and start the company, but more so just caught up with the, the love for it overall and trying new beers and, and really experiencing it. So how did you market that out at first? You were brewing every Friday, and then did you just bring the guys over on Saturday and say, hey, try this out. If it's if it's great, let us know. If it's not, let us know how we could fix it and just go in from there. Or uh, did you guys like tap into events going on at school or something like that? How did you start off the branding? 
so we really just started. It wasn't really branding the company yet. Um, it was we'd have our our group of friends, and I think like anyone in college, pretty easy to give away beer. So we were just <laughs> yeah, uh, giving it to our friends, letting them try it, um, and definitely getting feedback on each batch. Gotcha. And so obviously you were doing something right because the popularity of your home brews just took off. And through the rest of college, I, I you know, I guess you were continuing to to do that. And, uh, you know, the passion became something that would ultimately become your business. But not before that critical moment came, you know, and comes for everybody where at the end of college, you're left with a choice. Basically, you have this passion. You love to do it. It's a hobby of yours in the spare time. But real life comes a knocking and you need a paycheck. And so all three of you, and I should mention the third co-founder, Colin Marshall, a classmate of yours in high school where we all went, but was not attending University of Maryland, came and joined the team uh, shortly after, uh, officially after college ended, but it was there with you from the beginning and so is a co-founder for it. But for the first couple of months after graduation, you all took that standard journey into corporate America. Isn't that right? That is. We, uh... We had the idea of starting the company. We were still learning about it, doing the research in our spare times. But I think the big realization was, hey, without a paycheck, without some funding for this company, we, we can't get it started. So we we did the necessary evil and uh, went into corporate America, working um, for a year on my part, for two years on Tom's, and, and really had great experiences getting to see how other companies work, how a little different industry works, and I think it was a worthwhile worthwhile time to go out there and actually have a little more practical. Was it always the plan to just take a year or two on, you know, regular jobs before jumping into this, or were there times at which you were thinking, you know, this is something that is bringing me steady money, uh, doubts maybe start to creep in about whether or not you could actually commercialize your product. And at the time, I know that you were researching about how to start a business. You were getting that experience. You were thinking about how to, you know, tiptoe into the water. Um, but, you know, that's a commitment that all three of you would have to make. All three of you would have to walk away from the steady paycheck, enter a space that, frankly, is not without its competition, but a space that is rapidly popularizing, uh, especially in the, you know, now 2000s and 2010s. But it must have been, you know, at least a little scary to jump out of, you know, your steady jobs and into something completely new. Definitely. I mean, the plan was always there, but the realization of it coming together, we always knew that things could fall apart, that, that hey, uh, we could end up not going through with it. And it, like you said, it takes, took all three of us to go in and to make a leap of faith together. Um, if one of us had backed out, I don't see this going forward. So... We were uh, definitely back and forth a lot of times and how we were going to start it and everything. So there was a lot continuously revolving in that those first couple months and really through the first two years until we got our spot up and running in Locust Point. Exactly. Uh, a location now which just opened up at the end of 2016 uh, and now your main hub for both uh, production and uh, distribution, uh, both on draft and uh, you know, selling out to your partners. But I want to talk about that in a minute because having seen a little bit of it at the beginning, I know that personally uh, one of the you know 
first bigger events you guys were doing was bringing the product over to to school. Actually, when we had homecoming. That was my first experience with this. Um, but really, before all that started, you guys had graduated in the spring of 2013, and then you guys went out to lunch that summer, and that is when you had made this pact to go out and get some experience and learn, but to ultimately do this. Talk a little bit about that, because I know that's up to that point, it was really just a hobby, but after that conversation or after that you know, hangout that you guys had at lunch, you really decided that was the moment. That seems like the turning point in this story from you know hobby to professional business. Talk about that conversation that you had where you just said, you know what, we got to do this. So really, the, it's blurry at this time. I think so much has happened, but the big thing that stood out is I remember we we were always looking for the way to push ourselves in, and I think we, when we made that pact, we went ahead and went forward with it. We had a nice negative aspect, I think. If if any of us did back out, the other two got to choose a tattoo for him and uh, where it goes and everything. <laughs> we tried to light a little fire under our belly and really just make it go forward. That's hilarious. That Well, you know, that would move me to do it, especially with, you know, if I had me and my two buddies back from high school picking that out for me, uh, you know, they generally have my best interest at heart. But when it comes to that, uh, I'm sure they'd have a little bit of fun. So I think I'd have to go through with it. So you get into your regular jobs, you get a couple of years experience, you decide to drop out of that life and you start up Diamondback Brewing, as it's now known. Now, you started off by doing some contract brewing and without knowing the intricacies of the brewing world. Talk a little bit about that because you didn't own your own space, but yet the brand was yours. How did you transition from that to moving into this 7,000 square foot facility on the south side of Baltimore? Yeah, so the end goal always was to get our own brewery. It gives us a lot more flexibility in the beers we do and a lot more just overall fun. Plus, I think just having the tasting room and the production is a huge marketing aspect that we've really been enjoying over the past couple months. And so we knew, though, kind of breaking down the numbers and looking at it from the beginning that, hey, we can't afford a brewery right now, and what's what's another way to get in and do this? And so it's self-funded guys with no credit and uh, just limited overall financial capabilities, contract brewing was the the way to get in and really was a great experience for us that taught us a lot, let us learn a lot before we did make that major investment. And before you made that major investment, how much runway were you looking at in terms of the money that you had saved up from the past job? I'm, sh- I'm not sure of the financial incentives that come with contract brewing. Probably, I'm guessing, not as lucrative as owning your own place. But I would say with the continued reinvestment, buying new kegs, et cetera, I was constantly taking more money and into the company and constantly dragging it. And that is, so myself and Tom, actually, before we even quit our jobs, we started the company and we're doing it on the side initially. Um, and so pulling money... Colin was out there doing full-time sales and distribution, and me and Tom were pulling money from our paycheck to keep it going into the company and keep it growing. I can imagine that after taking the regular living expenses you need out of the check and then putting the rest of the money into the company, there wasn't a whole lot extra to go around. You really were putting your entire lifeblood into this idea. Definitely. It, uh, I think as anyone sees starting a company, it definitely takes some sacrifice. I would agree. I would agree. 
So how long approximately after you started this contract brewing did you ultimately think about, okay, now we should start to lease our own space? That said, how long basically did it take you on that first step, on that grind, to constantly be on the edge of, you know, is this going to be lucrative enough to to start our own real operation? How long were you guys in that stage? So I would say it was about a year into it that we're like, okay, this this is it. And it it was really two part. I mean, one, hey, we're we've got some market success. This is something worth going all in on and trying to really push it. And two, at the same time, while we had market success, we just were looking at all the effort we were putting in and seeing no economic returns. So we we kind of had a a realization that hey we we either get this going and do this or we just we fold up and let it go um it's not worth running all of it for no no financial gains and so that really that drove us into it and drove us to move to the next step which then was a nice year long process of finding the spot and actually going through with the construction to get us open now, you have the 7,000-square-foot facility, as I mentioned, down on McHenry Row in the south side of Baltimore. And, you know, after that period of contract brewing, you had the money to start up your own operation. But then, obviously, you're running into a whole new set of questions. Not only, you know, how am I going to use this space most effectively, but on the other side, I've got this full-time sales and distribution guy in Colin, but i got to market this out to the masses if I'm going to make this a long-run, lucrative business that continues to stay afloat in the beer, I suppose. Now, what was your strategy going into that? Because that, I imagine, is a whole new ballgame. Starting with three guys and building up your own money and getting into your own space is one thing. Marketing to, you know, tens of thousands of people or hundreds of thousands of people is a whole different story. Uh, How did you expand into the broader Baltimore and Maryland market? I mean, I think we're constantly doing that. It's, uh, starts with great beer and trying to make a name for yourself between the really dedicated and cutting edge craft beer drinkers. And then from there, we do, we really embrace our space now and do a lot of networking events here and take advantage of that, which is bringing new people in, letting them see the space and uh, become familiar with the brand that way. And the results don't lie with uh, a very successful launch in that space in late 2016. You guys have got thousands of people online following you in the Baltimore area generally. Uh, I know that I've heard of you guys because I grew up in Baltimore. I now live in Virginia. And I know you were doing some contract brewing with some companies down here in Virginia. Now that you have your own brand, more of a selfish question than anything, but you're planning on expanding distribution down to the uh, Virginia area anytime soon? Or have you done so and I just haven't seen it? We have not, and we do not plan to, I would say, anytime soon. Maybe we'll look at that next year. Um, For 2017, I think we're just worried about continuing to grow in Maryland. Well, you got to make sure, I guess, to secure your home market. And at least from my perspective, you seem to have taken the first steps on the journey to do that. Uh, You know, it's very encouraging to see. And I'll have to make a journey myself up to the brewery to try all of your new things because the first time I tried it, you only had a couple of, uh, you only had a couple of offerings out available to the market. And now your brewery hosts a number of drafts on tap. You have growlers to take home, six packs to take home, just like your standard brewery, but it's an expansive collection and one that uh, I'll have to, 
I'll have to carve out a night, and I mean a whole night, <laughs> to come and enjoy. So, well, I appreciate that, Adam. Definitely would love to have you here. And I certainly will. And uh, listeners, I will be sure to uh, get back to you on that experience if I can remember it. Now, I have uh, two questions really left for you in this, uh, in this interview, Francis, and it pertains to two things. One, how to inspire people who are currently thinking about starting their own brand or breaking away from their current business in order to try something new, or maybe not breaking away from their own business, but trying to start something on the side. And the other is more related to you and where we can find you. But I'll start with the first. Say somebody is thinking about a side project on their own, whether they're starting a business, they're starting to go into the arts, maybe they're even starting a podcast. You've already been in that position where you've decided to take that leap of faith, do your research beforehand, and then dive straight in. What sort of advice would you give to people who are in that same position? I'd say that the main thing is just to, to be ready for it and to understand the difficulties lying ahead of starting your own brand and and to make sure you really love that, either love the brand and the item that you are hoping to start and hoping to launch. Um, but I think even that, the love for one industry only carries you so far. I think. For myself especially, what has always pushed me is I've loved the entrepreneurial aspect of of the company. And I think that drive is in all three of us pretty well in that we really love craft beer, but we also just love the journey and are enjoying the ups and the downs of the company. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that sounds great. It's great advice. And then... Last question for you here, Francis, because I'm sure those who are in the Baltimore area would love to take a trip down to McHenry Row and try out some things. If people are trying to get in touch with you or just interact with you on social media, how can they reach you? They can reach us just at Diamondback Beer through most channels, um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. Or if they want to reach out directly to us for anything, it's info at diamondbackbeer.com. Well, you heard it here first, listeners. Uh, Diamondback Beer, here to stay, taking over the south side of Baltimore uh, and making big steps in the microbrewing space again, a space that is widely popular now and a place that folks like Francis Smith and the folks at Diamondback are taking in stride and becoming leaders in. Francis Smith, thanks very much for coming on the show, man. It was great to talk with you. You too. Thanks for having us and uh, definitely looking forward to seeing you here sometime soon. (laughs) Looking forward to enjoying, man. As mentioned, you can find Diamondback on Facebook at Diamondback Brewing and Twitter and Instagram at Diamondback Beer. And once again, if you're in Baltimore, go have a pint with these guys. Francis, thanks again for coming on the show, man. Make sure you keep following To Dare is Human by subscribing to the show on wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, the best way to keep improving the show for you is through your feedback. So leave a rating and review in iTunes if you like what you hear, and I'll shout you out right here on the program. Likewise, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at ToDareIsHuman, and also by email, which now comes from the new website, it's hello at ToDareIsHuman.com. Still feels good to say that. All right, that's it. That's enough for now. That's all for this episode of the show. Thanks for tuning in, and until next time, I'm your host, Adam Connor. Have a good one, keep daring, and I'll see you later. 